Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. We're back here on the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. Joe Delio and Ryan Roberts recapping the full week of practices here at the Senior Bowl. We're going to talk about the top performers in our eyes per position group before we get to that, folks. I just want to remind you that we don't have NFL going on right now. We've got the Super Bowl coming up next week. And if you're like me, watching these basketball games is so boring. I don't know anything about college basketball, but... I know that I like to be entertained when I'm watching college basketball. So I go to betonline.ag, which has all of the latest updated odds, news, info, everything you need for for betting on any sport, NHL, NBA, college basketball, women's college basketball, esports, you name it. They have so much that you can bet on over at betonline.ag. Make sure you use that promo code BELIEVE50 to get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Ryan. I'm excited that we can kind of turn the page here. This is our official closeout for the Senior Bowl. We talked about day one, day two, general takeaways. We watched day three of practice, and now here we are giving our full breakdown. In a way, I guess we're kind of putting together an all-star team of the of the top performers. But just like if we had like a just a general takeaway, Ryan, like what did you think from the practices? Anything that just necessarily in, in general stood out to you? I will say that I thought the offensive and defensive line play was some of the best out of any of the position groups. Yes, by default a little bit as well because right. some of the other positions weren't great. Uh, Joe, I was talking I was talking with someone about this actually this morning, which is funny that you asked this question to open up. I I don't think this is a very strong senior bowl group. <laughs> like just in general, like that was my main takeaway, man. Is I just I was more underwhelmed than I was like super excited yeah. in the week. And I mean, that's a shame because there were some really good performances. There's some players that obviously we'll talk about. They might be in the first, second round conversation after the weeks that they had, which is awesome. But I mean, just overall, man, it was like no quarterbacks that really get you super excited. The wide receivers were just kind of down a little bit. The defensive backs were eh. like, it was just, there was a lot. I think there was a lot of, we're seeing kind of the repercussions of, the COVID eligibility from right. a couple years ago, right? Where like last year's class was 2,100 guys and just overpopulated and this year's class is a little smaller. And I just think that there's a lack of depth senior-wise from mm-hmm. a couple of groups. So that was kind of my main takeaway. But I'm obviously excited to talk about a few of these guys because I do think there were some very good weeks that were scattered throughout. Yeah, I think the class was a bit a bit truncated because of what you're talking about, the eligibility stuff really screwed with everything. So I think a lot of the seniors, like we we have guys who are on their sixth, seventh year of eligibility, mostly some of those guys that are in the sixth that are still surviving and around and that are now in this, in this grouping of players. We also, and we talked about this, how weird it is. Some guys that we wanted to see were at the shrine game. And then again, we talked about this on the preview episode. It's a whole separate issue, but I do agree that at times, it was a bit underwhelming. It was not as exciting as, as it has been the past few years with some really impressive classes. And Ryan, I want to kind of roll this into what you just talked about 
with the quarterbacks being very, very underwhelming. We could have had Will Levis. We could have had Stetson Bennett. And I think we could have been talking a ton about both of those guys. And in Hooker injured as well. Yeah. yeah. And instead, we end up with the uh, eclectic group that we had here at Mobile. I, I think that I'm glad that we're we're kind of eating the frog and getting <laughs> and getting the quarterbacks out of the way first because it's it's almost just picking who had the least bad week. Uh, Jake Hayner from Fresno State, I think, fits that description. There were some guys that had some flashes, like Malik Cunningham looked like a really good athlete when he got out there on the field, still has some issues. But it seems like the consensus, nobody is disagreeing that Jake Hayner, albeit was not 100% clean, had a pretty strong week. I, I like Hayner. I like Hayner a lot, actually. I, I mean, because I, th- I think you, you quantified it perfectly. There were some flashes, right? I mean, you talk about Malik being a pretty good athlete. Uh, well, not being a pretty good athlete. He's being a good yeah. athlete at the quarterback position. Tyson Badgen, I thought his arm's pretty live, but it was just obviously very inconsistent throughout the week. Jake Hayner, I think, is going to be a player that is going to be on an NFL roster for the foreseeable future and be a really good backup. That's what I see with Jake Hayner. He's not a biggest guy in the world. But his arm is sufficient. It's pretty solid arm strength. I think he's a pretty nice mover as well. He can get out of the pocket a little bit when he needs to. But he was very – he had a lot of conviction with what he was doing, going mm. through reads, getting the ball out, and not making stupid mistakes, right? Like that's what you want from a backup type of quarterback. And I think that's what you saw from Jay Kanner. Like he doesn't make a ton of mistakes. He's got some pretty solid arm talent. I like Jay Kanner. I really do. I, I feel like he, we would be talking about him a lot more if he wasn't banged up most of the year at Fresno State. But I think he's a good football player, and I think that he ends the week as the top quarterback pretty convincingly in my eyes at the Senior Bowl. And I think that he did himself well as far as being a draftable player, and then I think that he has a niche where he's at least going to be a very good backup for a while. Yeah, and I think it also benefits Hayner. Well, first of all, you mentioned I think like the poise and the decision-making was great, and that's why he stands out. It also benefits him that for the first day he is juxtaposed with – Jaron Hall. So while Hayner looks, you know, really confident, albeit not perfect, he looks confident in his decision making and the way that he's playing. Meanwhile, Jaron Hall, who looks, you know, really timid and and really, um, you're a big Jaron Jer- Hall fan, man. You're a big I, Jer- dude. Hall fan. I just don't get it, man. Like he, the decision making was was slow. The where he was placing the ball was just really, really head scratching. Uh, through a number of picks. I don't understand why there's all these weird Jaron Hall defenders that are like, oh, he's throwing with a bunch of guys that he's never seen before. So is everybody else. <laughs> For you to look that it's much just, worse is it's just concerning. The, it's just the Pro Football Network, man. First round pick, Jaron Hall, like a month ago. They had him in a Aiden month O'Connell. Ago. I can't wait to see Aiden O'Connell. Where, where was he at the Senior Bowl? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> oh, man, it's it's just... It's maddening because I feel like – I mean, honestly, that's the bad part about the media side of things, though, is that I think that they set people up for failure a little bit, you know? Like they they, they make people – they make I think that if we went to the Senior Bowl week with the thought that Jaron Hall was a developmental day three quarterback, which yes. is what he is, then your expectations would have been a little different and your opinion after the week would have been a little different. You would have been right. like, okay, look, he's got a long way to go, but he's got some flashes. I can get there, right? Painting him t- at too high of a stroke lets you get let down by him, right? And I think that that is the negative. That's the negative part about the media mm-hmm. side of things, in my opinion. So. Yes, certainly an over. But Hayner was good. But Hayner was good. Yeah, to, to, I want to try and stay positive, but I had to take that yes. one that one shot because of some people <laughs> that on 
on Twitter for some reason we're really quick to defend him. Uh, talking running backs, though, look, I, I tweeted this out, and I know that you are. We talked about this beforehand. We we're both big Roshan Johnson fans, but the way that Tyjay Spears, the two lane running back, played this whole week, it felt like every day he had a different highlight play during practice. And when you get a guy, we get from a guy that is small, compact, very very quick. I saw great vision, and it's hard to stand out when you're running back when it's all thud. Yep. But to be avoiding contact the way that he was, I think, was really promising. It all comes to full head with that play that he had during the competition period where he sneaks under the pit linebacker that was covering him and blanking on his name. And Dennis. He makes, yeah, he makes that fantastic catch that he had. I will say this. I don't know what it is about Tajay Spears, but he gives me vibes that he fits really well in a, you know, a Kyle Shanahan adjacent offense. I think that the Miami Dolphins should go after Tajay Spears. I think that he would be perfect playing for the Miami Dolphins, uh, considering that they probably need a little help at running back. It's a good one, man. I mean, he stole the show the last two days at the running back position at, on both sides of the ball for at the senior bowl. Cause like you said, I mean, he's a dynamo in space, right? Like he's got that explosiveness. He's really quick twitch. I mean, that was the thing on, you know, everyone talked about, you know, and you just said it right. Like the ducking under the defender or whatever, but mm. the ability to change direction. Yes. Like that is, <laughs> that's a wild play, man. So he, I think he has really nice upside. I haven't watched enough of his game film at this point, but based upon what you saw in mobile, you're like, that's a space dude, right? He, he has the ability to really make defenders look silly, whether it's as a pass receiver, whether it's in the run game, getting out on, you know, outside zone type of concepts. He has that type of upside. So I, I do like the Tajay Spears conversation. I ended up sticking with Roshan Johnson, partly because you took Tajay Spears and he was kind of the <laughs> easy, the easy guy throughout the week. But I really did love what I saw from Roshan before he got injured and he had to miss the last couple of days. The first day, he was easily the best run block, uh, pass blocking running back. Like it wasn't even close. Everybody else was just kind of not very good. But Roshan Johnson was a pretty lockdown player. And anytime you have a 220 pound back that can pass block, that is a tough runner. And I think has some underrated ability as far as processing and vision and those types of things. I wouldn't be surprised if Roshan Johnson is a starting running back at some point during his NFL career. At worst, he's a very important piece of a platoon approach because he can pass block, he can catch the ball decently enough. He's a tough runner. I like him, man. I really do like Roshan Johnson. He has had the unfortunate circumstance of being behind a guy like B. John Robinson his last three years, right? But I think on most colleges, Roshan Johnson is the number one running back, and I would not be surprised if he was a more productive NFL player than he was in college. And Roshan's week was cut a little bit short, but I, I brought him up on day one and it wasn't anything that he did as a runner that obviously he had a good day as a runner. But the thing that caught my attention was the pass blocking. And that's what's going to earn him a roster spot. That's what's going to earn him a role on an offense, but possibly as a second running back by how well he's blocking. And it, it stinks that we didn't get to see more of him. And I think that's why he's not getting brought up enough now at yep. the end of the week, because Tyje had the whole week to work with. Um yep. Ryan, talking receivers, though, we mentioned earlier that not the sexiest group of receivers that were here in, in Mobile. There were a couple guys that everyone kept talking about. One guy that you're bringing up here definitely had a great week. I want to just talk about Michael Wilson from Stanford, who not the speediest guy. And to see him still create separation with his foot quickness, his route running for a guy of his size, and then to make some of the contested difficult catches that he made, 
I thought was really promising. Now, I'm not saying Michael Wilson, you draft him, he's your number one receiver and he's going to have 1,500 yards. Absolutely not. I think that he is has the potential to be a great number three, number four receiver on a team that already has a well-rounded receiving core and somebody who's very impactful on special teams. This isn't a kid who, again, is going to be the, your go-to option, but maybe he has like a, a really nice uh, catch on the sideline or it picks up a, a key first down every so often. That's who I think Michael Wilson could possibly be, and he showed with all of those route-running capabilities that he had on those one-on-one drills and during the team periods. Yeah. Now, he – he was a very underrated player at Stanford, and he was there forever, for one, because he dealt with a little bit of injuries in the middle section of his career, but he was a very dependable player for them, and he also returned some punts. He did you know, he did a little bit of everything for the Stanford Cardinal, and seeing him as a route runner, seeing him show the suddenness and the ability to just kind of understand spacing, I think is a big thing with Michael Wilson. So I was happy to see it because he is a kid that has dealt with injuries throughout his Stanford career. So it was nice to see him have a big week. Like you said, I ended up with Jaden going with Jaden Reed from Michigan state, not by default. Cause I feel like that kind of underplays the fact that Jaden Reed did have a very good week. Right. But I think that he really showed out, because he had a profile that I think not a ton of players in attendance had, and that was the ability to uncover vertically. Mm-hmm. Like I think you saw that he was had the ability to really create some opportunities down the football field, understands how to stack pretty well, was able to just kind of contort his body in some tough situations down the field and finish through contact a little bit. So I have questions about Jane Reed from a – power perspective right the ability to to play with play strength like I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to play on the outside a ton and I definitely don't think he's a high volume guy at the next level but I think he showed this week that as a secondary pass catcher in an offense he could be that guy that brings some intermediate to deep opportunities to create some chunk plays like I think he has that in him so I think Jaden Reed had a good week and the ability to uncover vertically I think was the best part of his profile for me yeah, Jaden Ring's name kept getting brought up, and there were tons of clips that circulated from plays that he made during one-on-one drills. I think that you hit the nail on the head there where he just kept stacking guys. I wrote it down in my notes that Jaden Reed always consistently stacking guys and creating that consistent separation. We, we talked about, I think it was yesterday, how it's easier to perform well when you're one of these shiftier receivers in these one-on-one drills, but he was still taking that separation and bringing it into seven-on-seven bringing right. it into the team drill. So I think that Jaden Reed's definitely one that well deserves the recognition. And I would say this too, Joe, is and we talked about this a ton, right? It's a especially the one-on-ones are a wide receiver dictated drill, right? Like those yeah. guys those are the guys that have success. I don't really put any stock into Tank Dell like stopping on a dime and catching a, a eight yard hitch. Like, okay, he <laughs> guys, not guys aren't getting physical with you. You don't have any underneath defenders. Like that stuff doesn't matter. What Jaden Reed impressed me with is the fact that he was ability to under uncover deep, right? Like I think he can create some explosive plays, the small little shifty guys creating easy separation on short when not a ton of guys are playing press during the week. Mm. Doesn't impress me. That's not incredibly translated. We've seen, Andy Isabel, we've seen Calvin Austin, we've seen all these dudes that have come through and have done that and been big winners leaving the Senior Bowl week, and then it doesn't translate to the next level. Yeah, uh, definitely. Try not to get too high on these guys, and I think that 
the, what you talked about, Tank Dell, is definitely a, a really good way to put that into perspective. Uh, yes. Ryan Roberts, the biggest hater in, in the NFL draft universe because he didn't pick a tight end on this list. Uh, <laughs> uh, just kidding. I understand why you didn't put a tight end down because we were saying before we started taping, the tight ends were underwhelming. You know, the tight ends yeah. were, were just kind of there. There was more guys that I had question marks about after the week than I did coming well, into the week. Can I say this, Joe? Because I really did think it was an underwhelming group. I will say kind of to lead you into your guy that you picked, though, was that I think that the player that you picked, Payne Dorham, he did exceed expectations that I had coming into the week, which was nice to see. Is it Payne Dorham or Durham Payne? Payne Payne Dorham. His first name is Payne. Isn't it? Wait, am I wrong? Am I tri- because I saw it both ways because I don't think anybody knows. I'll, I'll let you quickly uh, no, look it it's, up. No, it's definitely Payne Dorham. It's definitely Payne Dorham. Yeah. This is going to be – you looked it up? I, I mean, no, but I know his name. Payne Dorham. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's a really weird first name. Uh, I mixed up his, his names when I tweeted about him. Payne oh, Durham. No, no, you did it. That Payne, sucks. Payne Durham to flip it. Um, yeah. I, I We talked about this off-air yesterday. Not a very good athlete. Not uh, a guy who's going to become a premier tight end, but you saw mostly on day three him being the biggest winner out of the tight ends because he made a bunch of really nice plays. You know, he scored a yep. touchdown. He handed the ball to Cody Mock in the in the goal line uh, uh, period, and Mock spiked it, which was a fun time. And then on top of that, I think that the uh, Payne Durham had that one other catch where he caught the ball over the middle of the field. He could be a really fine second or third tight end. Like seems like a strong kid, decent blocker. Just was the least bad of the of the underwhelming group that was here in Mobile. That's a good way to put it. I mean, he does have nice size. I was looking at the right. size he measured: 6'5", 258, 33 and a quarter inch arms, eighty and three quarter inch wingspan. The the nice plays that I saw from him, especially were him winning in the air, right, winning with his frame, which is nice to see. Joe, we have an estimated four eight five for Payne Durham. Over under four eight five since you're the big betting guy. Jeez, <laughs> that's that is just painfully slow. Uh, hopefully he runs faster than that. Some of these offensive linemen right, might run faster than that. Um, oh. Ryan, I I have trouble picking my favorite lineman from the week, and I think I could sit here and rattle off like five dudes that I thought were really good. Just a yeah. quick shout out to Steve Avila, who was really really nice this week. Who we're not going to end up going in on. Uh, two guys that I want to bring up, and then there's a third guy that you're going to bring. Do you know? Up. Do you know Steve Avila's real name, by the way? Do you know his real name? It's Esteban, right? Esteban Steve Avila. Yeah. Good job. Good he job, has man. an awesome name. Um, yes. <laughs> two guys though that I think deserve the most recognition were on the American squad: Matt Bergeron, yep. the Syracuse left tackle, and then John Michael Schmitz, the Minnesota center. So Matt Bergeron, I tweeted about him a bunch, and we've talked about him a ton on the show. He is not the sexiest player. He is not a guy that. Like like a Jalen Duncan or like a Dewan Jones, who when they do things, it's like, wow, look at that rep. But right. then they'll mess up the next one. Matt Bergeron was just so even keel the whole week and was just so consistent in his footwork. He was consistently winning reps, but not in a manner where, again, that excited everybody. And I think he deserves more recognition for the performance that he had the entirety of the week. I would argue that the way that he performed – I think he very heavily pushed himself in the conversation with a pretty okay tackle class this year. He might be a late, late first round pick, early second round pick with the way that he looked. 
And that's kind of where we graded him at the beginning of the season. So I think that Matt Bergeron belongs in that conversation. John Michael Schmitz might have earned himself the top center uh, billing in this class the way that he looked this week. And I was a little low on him. I think he already answered a lot of the questions that I had with his play strength. But, man, yep. the footwork, the consistency, um, I, overall just a really well-rounded week. And it benefits him that Ricky Stromberg was not here for him to go up against. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that – I mean, I think there's a legitimate conversation that you could say that John Michael Schmitz was the best football player in attendance this week. I mean, like yeah. dominant start to finish. I mean, he won almost every rep he had all week, and he showed – good athleticism. He good show good play strength. Like he was just locked down for the American side of things. And I think that you, you portrayed it perfectly for Matthew Bergeron. He has some chaotic feats at times, which is a little maddening, but he has a really nice foot quickness. Mm -hmm. And I think he showed more core strength than I thought he was going to have. I thought he struggled a little bit on film, excuse me, with anchor. Didn't think he had the best anchor in the world. I didn't think that that really popped up as an issue this week. I think he showed the ability to sit down on power. You know I like Matt Bergeron, man. Like, he's a really good football player. Top 50 pick, I believe, after this week that he had. I think there were three offensive tackles that had a chance to rise in this class that were at the Senior Bowl. They were kind of in a group all together. I'm going to talk about Jalen Duncan in a second out of Maryland. Mm -hmm. You just talked about Matthew Bergeron out of Syracuse. Blake Freeling from BYU was another guy who did not have a great week. He didn't. No. A developmental kid did not have a great week. Jalen Duncan, though, I thought when he was at left tackle this week was phenomenal, dude. Like, really good football player. Really was. When they moved him to the right tackle, he was not comfortable like at all. Not even close. But when he was at left tackle, especially in the one-on-one pass blocking segment of, of the days – I mean, lockdown. I mean, did he lose a rep? I don't no. I don't think he really lost a rep. I mean, he the thing I love about Jalen, and some people I think portray this as him being lazy at times, and like I get it to a degree, but I think he's just so athletic, man, that he just makes it look so easy at times, you know? It's just like nobody can beat him around the outside track. No one can beat him there. And it, I think that he is one of those guys, you mentioned it, you know, kind of jokingly, but he I think is gonna test like just insane and people are gonna be like oh my god what an athlete right and i think that he has foot quickness for days really athletic flexible dude if you want a true left tackle type at the next level that is going to be a really good pass blocker from day one and be a guy that just makes everything look so easy that's jalen duncan to me man he has just such a calm patience to him and i think it's because he trusts his athleticism so much and i think that's what you saw this week yeah, you saw a ton of that. And I know that he's not the most technically refined player, which we talked about during the offseason. And I'm sure we're going to talk yeah. about that when we do his evaluation and we do tackle rankings. But, man, his feet, dude, his his feet. There was one rep where I kept re-watching it. I'm like, how the hell did he move his feet that quickly? Guys yeah. are not supposed to be able to move their feet that quickly, which is why he is exciting and why he won so many of these reps. I got to say, though, I'm a little pissed off at the – the decision-making by the coaching staffs in terms of placement for uh, where they were asking these guys to play during the week. I understand that you want to see how they play on the right side if you have to ask them to play right tackle. I understand having Jarrett Patterson play some guard because he played guard this past year, but he's probably going to play center. But what was bugging the crap out of me is that we were asking guys that were visibly struggling – at these spots to keep playing these spots 
way more than they should have. And I think right. that Jalen Duncan is one of those guys who first day I wrote down and I was like, wow, I'm really impressed with Jalen Duncan. Uh, I think that not enough people are acknowledging how good of a day that he had. He might have been the best offensive line on the national team. Move him over to right tackle, and he's he's all crossed up. He can't. It, it, he has ne- clearly never played the position, uh, and he's clearly having a lot of issues. But then the rest of the second day, they tried to switch him back over, and that almost impacted his performance on some reps on the second day because he was all over the place with his footwork. So I just I know that you want to see how other guys do, but let's do it for a couple sure. of reps. Can we stop trying to force these guys to take a ton of reps at an awkward position? that they haven't had enough time to prepare for. This isn't training camp. This is this is the senior bowl. Yep. I, I mean, it's really well said. I, and he I, – I feel like that the perception of Jalen would be a lot different leaving the week, and I think that you hit that nail on the head, right? It, it, I think most people were impressed by him because they understand yep. that, you know, transitioning from left to right tackle when you've just been a career left tackle is not an easy thing, especially when you're going against some of the best seniors in all of college football for a week. But – I, I really just, man, the, the traits that he has as a blindside protector at the next level, just eye-popping to me, man. Like, he really, I mean, not great length, but just the athleticism that he has, the smoothness, the flexibility. I left the weekend impressed by Jalen Duncan playing left tackle at the next level because I just think that he is one of the easiest projections to that spot in this class, not only just the seniors, but just in general. He has blindside protector written all over him, and I was still very impressed with what I saw with Jalen. Moving on to the defensive side of the ball, uh, there were a number of defensive linemen that I think really showed up. And to address the first guy, Keanu Benton from Wisconsin, we're, we're both yes. in agreement here. I, I think along with John Michael Schmitz, had one of the best weeks out of any of the players here at the Senior Bowl. The guy yep. was unblockable on day one. I think he – he kind of came back down to earth by day three on, on some of these plays, but still what we witnessed him not playing nose, playing more as a three technique, the power, the the length that he has, the reach that he has to, to almost one arm a couple of guys the way that he he finished some of those reps, but just the aggressiveness, man. It's, it's really exciting to see. And heck, dude, I, I think that he has, with a meteoric rise, he might be like a late first round pick now, the way that he looked this week. I mean, Keanu was a butt kicker all week, man. I mean, there's no other way to put it, Joe, because you saw like the all the things that you expected as a, a nose tackle coming out of Wisconsin, right? He's a big physical kid, wasn't really moved much at the point of attack. He just has incredible anchor, incredible power profile. He's a former All-State wrestler in high school, all that great stuff. Like he plays the leverage battle. But this week, you saw a little bit of his pass rush upside get unlocked, and you saw some club rips you saw some arm arm overs i mean he was just he was dominating some dudes in the one-on-one pass rush it wasn't just like slow wins right like where he gets into his chest driving back a little bit and then is able to disengage the last second like he was winning quickly off the snap so if you want a kid that is going to have the ability to play nose but also move all the way out to three and maybe some four four eye stuff and impact the passing game from all those alignments i think that jalen sorry keanu benton is a player that at the next level, you're going to get all the things you saw from Wisconsin, but I think the, the pass rush upside is something that you're going to tap into more mm-hmm. and more in, during his NFL career because I, I won't, I'm not going to say he was misused at Wisconsin, but I think that he was, though. Like he's, he was being I, I just, pigeonholed. I, I, 
I just don't think they tapped into his pass rush upside, right? Like he's still a very good player at Wisconsin, but there is a much higher upside from a penetration perspective that you can get out of Benton. And I think that you saw it this week in Mobile. Uh, I also want to bring up Northwestern defensive lineman Ade Odeboire. And I was telling you beforehand, I'm kicking myself a little bit for not bringing him up sooner because he caught my eye. I wrote him down and then I just was too focused on some of these other players. We talked about how he is transitioning from playing more as a leaner edge and now he's bulking yep. up to play inside and his frame really benefits him to play inside. We, we're talking here about Keanu Benton. I don't know if there was anybody who was more unblockable than Ade Odebwari. I, I know that Keanu had a great, great week, but in the team drills, in the one-on-ones, and then he decided to wrap things up with a nice bow when he drove Jarrett Patterson's ass all the way back into where the lap of a quarterback would have been standing. Ottawari, man, was so freaking fun to watch. And he was one of those guys that just was building momentum. You could see that he was getting more and more confident as the week progressed, and he wasn't messing with anyone. I'm a big fan of what he did. I have not evaluated him for a final evaluation, but I'm curious where he's going to fit in this class uh, after the way that he performed this week. He's almost a player that you don't want to go back and watch because you know that he's asked to do something at yeah. Northwestern that he's not going to do in the NFL now, right? Like because he was six one and five eighths, two hundred and sixty something pounds as a defensive end. Now he's two hundred and eighty-four pounds. And I think you saw, I mean, he is a leverage nightmare for a def- for an offense because he's a guy that just plays so low and he has a track backgrounds he has a wrestling background and you see it and he's a workout warrior who i mean he just has an incredibly powerful lower half so leverage battle he's always going to win for the most part but then despite being six one and five eights he's got a six foot ten wingspan man he's got 34 Mm. inch arms it's what it's a weird body type but it helps him so much because not only can he win the leverage battle, but then also he can play outside his frame a little bit and he can finish plays a lot with the massive tackle radius and the massive wingspan that he has. So as a three technique inside, continue to develop, hopefully gets up to the 290-something range here pretty soon, he's just going to be a headache to handle because he just is always going to be under pads. And that's what you saw in that Jared Patterson rep. It's Jared is a 6'5 center where – Adeboire was able to easily win the leverage battle, and then his power profile took over and just drove him out of the screen. Like that's just what Adeboire has. He the leverage ability that he has, the explosiveness and the power. The kid's a headache, and then he showed that he has a little bit of nuance to himself as a pass rusher inside. So you want to talk about a guy that wasn't asked to do what he's going to do in the NFL. Not only that, but I think he's going to do what he's going to be asked to do in the NFL at a very high level. This kid could end up being a second round pick. Like I wouldn't say that that's out of the realm of possibility because he was a dominant force on the interior this week, a position that we haven't seen him play really at Northwestern. So another guy who played a different position this week than he was used to playing. And we talked about the importance of Will McDonald looking really, really clean uh, out there now that he's not being asked to play that, you know, that awkward five tech that, you know, that outside uh, big man rusher spot, which is not him. You were really impressed by him, though. I, and I, I think that might not have been the flashiest player of all the guys on the defensive line that everybody was 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 clamoring about, but he still, I think, earned his way by answering those questions of, can he make that transition? I mean, and him weighing in at 241 pounds was a big step because he's got those 35-inch arms. He's a 6'10 high jumper coming out of high school. Just a freak athlete, man. And, and you saw this week, I mean – 
there were some reps where, I mean, one, his flexibility is insane. Like his bend is insane. Like there's some times where like, it looks like he's about to lose his balance. He's about to fall down. And then he just regains it so quickly just because he just got such a flexible lower half. You saw him hit the spin this week. You saw him hit the inside counters. You saw him be able to rush outside the, outside the track. Will McDonald, I think, is a first-round pick. Like, I mean, just flat out. Like, I think that he is that true outside track rusher who is going to be. I mean, he was productive at Iowa State, but mm. he's going to be a menace on the NFL level, man, because he just has some crazy explosiveness, crazy flexibility, and really impressive bends. All those traits are usually a very productive edge rusher at the next level. I'm a big fan of what I saw from Will McDonald this week. Ron, I know you're also a big fan of of Diane Henley from Washington yes. State, and I even saw you tweet out that uh, not a single other linebacker was anywhere near as close as good as Diane Henley. And we get a guy that is just so physically gifted with the length, the uh, you know, just the, the the frame that he brings to the position. And I had concerns of him coming into the week; didn't have much of an expectations on his his performance. But seeing him make plays all over the field, seeing him lock guys down in coverage and then utilize that length is really promising. And I think that yeah. we need to go back and maybe bump him up a little bit the way that he performed and how dominant he was on a rep-to-rep basis. Again, I don't think that there was any other linebackers that came anywhere close. I do have to give a quick shout-out to Ivan Pace, who, despite being stumpy as hell, being stumpy as hell, made some yes. nice plays in these coverage drills. Joe, you just need to trust my linebacker evaluation. You just need to trust it. Diane Henley's a good football player, man. Physical downhill. He's a really impressive kid as far as his his body type. He's really uh, filled out. He's got a powerful over half. But you saw, man, coverage reps all week. Lockdown. You can see that former safety background. I mean, the ability to just kind of change direction and close on – on, in the past game, I mean, and he's had the 33-inch arms to kind of get his hands in there and to disrupt. He's just a good football player, man. Like, we don't need to talk about it too much. I think <laughs> he answered a lot of questions because there's just not a lot of holes in Diane Henley's. Mm. Uh, talking safeties, I don't think Christopher Smith had a very good end to the week, but he started it off with the first two days of just lockdown coverage on these tight ends, on these receivers. Again, getting beat a little bit on the third day, and I don't know if he, he just was gassed by the end of it, but Christopher Smith, somebody who I think needed to show up outside of having played in that talented Georgia defense to dominate mm-hmm. the ways that he did, I'm willing to consider him much higher than I was originally considering him, which was a mid to late third-round pick. But the coverage skills, man, is a guy, a free safety, who could maybe come down and cover guys one-on-one in man spots. Uh, man, Christopher Smith had a really, really nice week here at Mobile. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he had a great beginning. The first two days, Christopher was fantastic. And the ability that he has playing in deep zone from depth, I, I think you saw a lot at Georgia. But to your point, Joe, seeing him play in some more man opportunities this week and really excelling in those roles, now you're talking about a versatile piece on the back end. So I thought he had a great start to the week. I think a guy that had a really nice end to the week was Sidney Brown from Illinois, who – Twin brother, obviously, is Chase Brown, the running back that was also at the event. But he is a 5'11", 213-pound safety who, when you hear 5'11", 213 pounds, you're going to think thumper or a guy that's going to play more in the box. But I thought his coverage skills on yeah. day three especially were really good. He stayed in, in pretty good positioning, stayed in phase, showed a little bit more coverage upside than I think maybe some people would anticipate. So I think Sydney really had a nice end to the week and he showed that he maybe has a little more of an all around profile than maybe what people thought coming into the week. 
Yes, yeah, super, super sticky in coverage. So like that was something that I made sure to make note of. Uh, Sidney Brown, I, I even posted a couple reps that he had where he just looks so, so clean. And uh, we know how good those Illinois DBs were this year. And frankly, Sidney Brown might have been a little overshadowed by his brother and then also uh, by Witherspoon, who is another talented player on that that Illinois, Illinois secondary. Uh, last to get to here, the corners. A bit underwhelming. Yeah. You know, nothing, nothing too exciting with the corners. I will say, though, Caillou Blue Kelly's day two is enough for me to give him a slight edge on some of these other players. Instinctive. That's what I got from him. A guy that just showed really good instincts to quickly react, come up and make plays on the football. The one pick six that he had on day two was enough to sell me and say, like, wow, this is this is an exciting football player. I, I don't think I'm like crazy high on him in general as a prospect, but you saw some nice things and it wasn't hard for him to separate with, again, with a, a relatively weak corner group here at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, I mean, Caillou Blue Kelly is a really interesting player because he was banged up a lot of this year for Stanford, but he really hit a lot of thresholds that you want. He was a little over six foot, six foot and one eighth, 193 pounds, 31 and three quarter inch arms, so nearly 32 inch arms, 77 and an eighth inch wingspan, which is a pretty nice wingspan. He's a good all around athlete. And the one cool thing about Caillou Blue Kelly as well, despite him being a senior bowl player, he's only 21 years old still. He's not 22 yet, and he won't oh. be 22 until, af- until after the draft. So he's still a young corner despite being a senior. I went with a really traitsy player that I thought had more a good beginning of the week than maybe end of the week. Kind of, I, I wouldn't say he was bad at the end of the week, but I just think he his impact was felt more early on in the week, and that was Julius Brents out of Kansas State, who is one of the most – physically imposing corners you'll see i mean he's six foot three 202 pounds 33 and three quarter inch arms 82 and seven eighth inch wingspan man that is just bonkers i mean and really good athlete though i mean i think his long speed is good i think it's sufficient i don't think it's great but the change of direction that he has for a corner his size i think is really impressive so i think that julius brents ends up going a lot earlier in the draft than some people anticipate but i think that in a weaker cornerback group at the senior bowl i think we got a couple good players in caillou blue kelly and julius brents they were definitely fit a profile that you look at and say there's a lot of upside on the next level for both players i'm excited to dig in on brents because of how how big he is. I, I don't know what it is. I always get obsessed with big corners, but yeah, I definitely think that uh, Julius Brents deserves a little bit more recognition. That's a good note to wrap us up on. At Joe DeLeo and at Rise and Draft, folks, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you hit subscribe. We're going to be turning the page, and I think the next position group we've got is running back, so stay tuned for that. More coming. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.